morning. Welcome to Rooftop. My name is Matt, one of the pastors here at Rooftop. Uh, good to see you all this morning. Uh, when I was growing up in my church youth group way back when, we actually participated in something like this, the 30-hour famine, which is sponsored by uh, World Vision. Anybody ever been through a 30-hour famine in your church youth group growing up? Yeah, maybe a smattering of you. So for 30 hours, everybody in my youth group didn't eat. And instead, we actually spent the day at church uh, performing various service projects. Uh, we played educational games to learn more about uh, food, food shortages and world hunger. I would call these games hunger games, but that would give you the wrong impression of what it is we were doing. Uh, we had a lock-in that night, and then we broke our fast uh, the next morning with a big breakfast. Now, in preparation uh, for the famine, we actually raised a lot of money from friends, uh, neighbors, church members, money that World Vision turned around and used to bless the hungry and the thirsty around the world. Now, I got to tell you, uh, even as an ignorant teenager, the experience left its mark on me. I had been hungry before, but never for so long on purpose. And I do remember wondering what it would be like for someone to be that hungry all the time and without fun hunger games to distract them. In fact, we didn't even really do that well at the 30-hour famine. I mean, kids were, like, breaking it, going, grabbing snacks and munching on them in the church stairwell. Uh, we had, like, uh, all the chocolate milk and fruit juices that we could possibly want. And if any kid, like, showed the slightest hunger pang, some nervous mother would, like, run over with a granola bar, like, quick, eat this, eat this. It was like the angels ministering to hungry Jesus in the wilderness. Eat, eat. Um, it's, it's hard to go without food. Uh, generally speaking, uh, doctors do not re recommend that you do that. Uh, what's interesting, then, is that according to the Bible, one of the best things that you can actually do as a person of faith, follower of Jesus Christ, is, is to not eat. Uh, the, the word used in the Bible to describe what we were doing at the 30-hour famine is a word you've probably heard before, fasting. It's an ancient religious tradition, and it's actually one Jesus talks about in the Sermon on the Mount. So we've been talking about the Sermon on the Mount here at Rooftop in uh, a series called Religion Redefined. Maybe you know the sermon is Jesus' big manifesto about uh, the radical things that God expects uh, his people to do. And in this portion of the sermon, Jesus is talking about religious disciplines. So the Jews in Jesus' day, they practiced acts of piety in service to God and in service to others, including giving, praying, and fasting. And if you were an active Jew back then, you just did these things. But the people had been misled by the Pharisees, their leaders, and they were practicing these acts of piety in the wrong way. They were doing them for show, not as humble acts of devotion. So Jesus exposes their hypocrisy and teaches them the proper way to give, the proper way to pray. And, as it were, the proper way to fast. <clears throat> and that's the passage that we're going to study this morning. It comes from Matthew chapter 6, verses 16 through 18. Let me share it with you. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head, wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father, who is unseen. 
And your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Now, honestly, this is one of the passages in the Sermon on the Mount that I was least looking forward to talking about with you during this series uh, for lots of reasons, but one of them is that the topic seems kind of peculiar. Uh, Fasting from food. I mean, you all have lots of questions about the things that Jesus talks about in the Sermon on the Mount. You have questions about how to forgive your enemies, right? You have questions about how, how to pray better. You have questions about how to be less anxious. You know, all things that Jesus talks about in the sermon. But how many of you showed up this morning wondering, I, I wonder what Jesus has to say about not eating food for religious purposes? That's a question I got. I hope Matt talks about that eventually. But once again, we've got to remember that the Bible talks about things that are important, even if they don't necessarily feel that relevant to us. Just because fasting is not something that modern American Christians practice regularly, and to be sure it isn't, doesn't mean that we shouldn't. In fact, uh, fasting is, is quite commonplace in Scripture. Moses, David, Paul, Jesus, Daniel, John the Baptist, the disciples, many, many, many others, they all fasted. The practice of fasting was so accepted that Jesus assumes people are doing it. What does he say at the beginning of the passage? When you fast. When you fast. So let's talk about fasting. First, what is it? Well, religious fasting is the intentional, temporary abstaining from food and sometimes even drink for spiritual purposes. I say religious fasting because I know that fasting can be done for health reasons. The health benefits of intermittent fasting are, are, are widely understood According to peer-reviewed research compiled on Healthline.com, for example, controlled fasting, it combats diabetes, it reduces inflammation, it improves heart health, it boosts metabolism, might even prevent cancer, slow aging. In fact, you start reading about all the the health benefits of fasting, and it kind of starts to look like the Bible actually knows what it's talking about. Uh, But to be sure, fasting described in the Bible is about more than healthy living. In Scripture, people fast for all reasons, mostly for spiritual purposes. Let me share them with you. For example, in Scripture, people fast to express grief. Express grief. (laughs) Uh, Following the death of King Saul, for example, David and his men of fasted in grief for their fallen leader. They, they could not imagine eating at such a terrible time for their nation. Fasting actually seemed to help them recover from their grief better and faster. Also, people fast to repent of sin. In the book of 1 Samuel, the nation of Israel fasts in repentance for their idolatry, which God explains is the cause for all their military defeats, In response, they declare a national emergency, a national fast, uh, to show God uh, that that, uh, they are really serious about their regret. Relatedly, sometimes people fast to strengthen prayer. Oftentimes, people in the Bible get into difficult situations. They urgently require deliverance, so they fast. On their way back from Babylon, for example, the Israelites were uh, really, really nervous about this long trek that they had to take through the wilderness. So Ezra led them in a national fast. So we fasted and petitioned our God about this, and he answered our prayer. But there are even more reasons that people in the Bible fast. Sometimes people fast to seek guidance. Fasting can clear the mind and the schedule so that we have time to hear from God if we need his wisdom. In the book of Judges, 
The Israelite army is, is facing a, a military decision about whether or not to engage the enemy. They fast, all of them together, and God speaks to them in their hunger. Yet another reason people fast in the Bible is to practice generosity. The purpose of fasting isn't necessarily just to go without, but it's to reallocate what you would spend on food to give it to people who need it more than you. In fact, sometimes the Israelites forgot that this was the purpose and God had to remind them, as he does, for example, here through the prophet Isaiah, is this not the uh, kind of fasting I have chosen to loose the chains of injustice, untie the cords of the yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? Another reason people fast in the Bible is to overcome temptation. When Jesus was led into the wilderness, he knew that he was going to be tempted by the devil. How did Jesus prepare for temptations in the wilderness? By fasting. Matthew writes, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Uh, yeah, 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 I, I get it. In fact, guess what the devil's first temptation was? Bread. Here's some bread. Some bunny bread. But he had been strengthened. There are lots of reasons that people fast in the Bible. In fact, I'm not even done. People fast in the Bible to learn discipline. Fasting is one of the ways we allow our will to put our mind in charge of our body. That's what happens when we fast. We allow our will to put our mind in charge of our body. Following Jesus involves constant self-denial, and fasting trains us in this. As Paul puts in the New Testament, I beat my body to make it my slave. But lastly, one of the most important reasons that people in the Bible fast is simply to worship God. In Luke, we read about a prophetess named Anna. Luke writes, she never left the temple, but worshiped night and day. Fasting and praying. Fasting is a way that we show God that mostly we are hungry for him. As John Piper puts it, what we hunger for most, we worship. What we hunger for most, we worship. I hope you're getting the picture that in the world of the Bible, fasting is a common and expected practice that God's people did on a regular basis as a way to follow Jesus, grow in prayer, live healthy, and grow more disciplined. This is why Jesus says, when you fast. So what's weirder, fasting or us not fasting? And yet, most of us don't do it. Why not? Why don't we fast? Lots of reasons. First, ignorance. We don't know the Bible very well. And we don't necessarily read it in the right way. I mean, a lot of, a lot of us read the Bible to, to learn stuff and to learn theology and learn about God, which is, which is fine. But we don't necessarily read it as a book of wisdom at knowing how to live our lives and to get to know God better. According to Scripture, fasting is one of the ways that God's people have always done that. Also, marketing. We don't fast because our world says we're not supposed to do that. We are surrounded by marketers and restaurants and billboards giving us the same message 24 hours a day. What's the message? You are hungry right now. That's the message. Just like poverty and hunger is the curse of so many nations, abundance is the curse of ours. We are surrounded by people trying to cram food down our throats so that we remain addicted to their product. The world has actually, actually rewired our brains 
into thinking that we need to eat what they are serving us all the time. But the biggest reason we don't fast is, frankly, because we're, we're sinners. Sinners consume. Sinners worship gods other than the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and food is one of those gods. I mean, you tell me, what, is, what was Adam and Eve's first sin in the garden? Yeah, they ate. Aiden got it before any of you adults did. <laughs> they ate from the tree. Paul puts it this way to the Philippians. For as I have told you often before, and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. And their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. Their God is their stomach. Their mind is set on earthly things. Our addiction to food is just another reminder that we, as individuals and as people, have strayed very, very, very far from God. This is why I actually think that fasting is one of the most important things that modern American Christians can do if they really want to grow as a follower of Jesus. It's countercultural, it's biblical, it's healthy. All the heroes of Scripture do it. So let's talk about how to do it. So question, how do you fast? How do you fast? Well, you don't eat. That's it. So instead of eating, you don't eat. Now, I know there's maybe some details to fill in there, so let's go ahead and fill in some of the details. Uh, let me give you five steps to fasting brought to you by letter R this morning. Okay, fun with the letter R. First, uh, realize what your food is. You know that we are controlled by many things other than food. Netflix, phones, alcohol, Amazon, Spotify, work. There are many things that fill our lives, enslave our brains and our bodies, and distract us from God. You can fast from any of those things. Uh, what does Paul say to the Corinthians? I will not be mastered by anything. Anything. Nothing is going to master me except Jesus Christ. Uh, one person's food might not be somebody else's food. If you really want to grow in Jesus, you need to know what your food is so that you may fast from it. Uh, me, I have many foods. Uh, work is a food for me, which is why I try not to work on Mondays. My, my cell phone is a food for me, which is why I, I, I try really hard not to download stupid apps I don't need. You guys have smartphones? Mine's really dumb. <laughs> it's a dumb phone. I try to keep as much stuff off it so I don't spend time on it. Uh, basically, we all have things in our lives that we think we need. We all have different, different foods. I mean, honestly, for some of you, there are a lot of people that struggle with eating disorders. Uh, not eating food is sort of a food. It's sort of a different, different version of the same problem. We all have foods, things we think we need. So what's your food? What's your food? Would you say fries? Toys. Uh, once again, Aiden and Gretchen. Toys. Some of you might, it might be fries <laughs> or toys. What's your food? And if you don't know what your food is, you know, start with food. There's a good chance that your food is actually food. Second, reveal this food addiction to a friend who can pray for you. Uh, 
Nobody can be free of sinful addictions alone, and certainly not by keeping them to ourselves. We need accountability. We need support. Uh, we need the power of God experienced in the prayers of others. As James writes, confess your sins to one another, pray for each other so that you may be healed. Uh, this is why we're actually really excited about our Celebrate Recovery ministry. We're going to launch it after the first of the year. Celebrate Recovery is a ministry to help people get rid of addictions of many kinds. Uh, pornography, alcohol, food. You're going to hear more about it uh, later in the year. Realize what your food is. Reveal this food addiction to a friend. Thirdly, regulate your schedule to refrain from the food. I got two R's in there. Yep. Regulate your schedule to refrain from this food. Set a time to go without whatever your food is. It doesn't have to be forever. God's not asking you to never eat again. Although to be sure, if your food is like illegal drugs or spending money you don't have, then your fast starts today. And it is perpetual. But if your food is food, you're going to need to eat again. So set a time and make it workable. Don't start your fast on like, you know, Thanksgiving. <laughs> Bad day to start your fast. Even Jesus said there are times to fast and times not to fast. He told his disciples, for example, not to fast while he was with them, but to do so after he left. The time will come and the bridegroom will be taken from them. Then they will fast. Uh, when I was in college, for example... I, I realized I was uh, talking too much, if you can believe that. <laughs> I know. I realized I was talking too much, so I needed to, like, just dial it back a little bit. Decided to, like, dial it way back. I went on a three-day talking fest. I said, I'm not going to say a word. Not a, nothing, nothing but carbon dioxide is going to come out of this pie hole for three days. I didn't tell my college roommates that this is what I was doing, so it was a little awkward trying to explain what was happening without being able to talk. Also, I started my fast. I forgot about a new job that I'd just taken at Pizza Hut. <laughs> so I showed up for orientation, like, without being able to talk. And I actually made it all the way through the training without having to talk. Although the manager who had hired me said, you're a lot more talkative during the interview. I was like... And it worked. I almost made it to the end of the, the, the training shift until he took me up to the phones to train me how to take orders. Like, who do I obey, God or man? <laughs> and on that particular day, I needed the income, so I obeyed, I obeyed man. Took lots of, lots of orders. Overall, it was a good experience. I, I learned, as I continue to learn, I, I, I learned I, do, I just do not need to, to talk as much as I think I need to do. Just should have timed it better. Regulate your schedule to refrain from your food. Fourthly, replace the space with healthy food. It's one thing not to eat. It's another thing to fill the space with what it should be filled with. <laughs> I don't think cupcakes should replace toys but I like that you're brainstorming. <laughs> uh, some other ideas. Uh, parents, you know, in, in, instead, of, instead of spending time on your phone when you get home, you know, put it away. Spend time with your kids. Kids, instead of spending time on your phones when you get home, put it away. 
Uh, spend time with your parents. Instead of spending money eating unhealthy food, spend money on canned goods for the food pantry. Reallocate that. Instead of spending hours slaving away in the kitchen, spend hours pouring over the word of God. Instead of grabbing a quick bite over lunch, take a slow walk around the building. Pray for your coworkers. You won't die. You won't die. Replace the space, as Jesus explains to his disciples when they asked him if he was hungry. My food is to do the will of the one who sent me. I love this scene. Jesus hasn't eaten in a while, and his disciples ask him, hey, you hungry? It's like, my food is to do the will of the one who sent me. I'll be fine. Replace the space, and lastly, repeat. Our bodies and minds do not learn discipline after one fast. You don't get healthy by going to the gym on January 1st and then never going again. Uh, Pastor Jeremy, uh, he talks a lot uh, around here about rhythms. If you listen to Pastor Jeremy enough, you'll hear the word rhythm, like, you know, quite rhythmically in his conversation. Uh, Following Jesus requires rhythms, rhythmic prayer, rhythmic worship. I come to church every week because it's a rhythm. I I need to be here. Also, I work here, so got to be here. Uh, The Old Testament Jews actually practiced fasts regularly at designated times, says the Old Testament, at least several times a year, uh, a couple times a week, in fact. Uh, Ancient Jews, even early Christians, tried to fast twice twice a, a week. I try to fast on Thursdays, although I'm reluctant to share that with you because Jesus says you shouldn't talk that much about it. You know, you're, you're, you do it. So I may or may not fast on Thursdays. I don't know. Take a guess. I do it regularly because I, I want to I get strong. I want to get strong as I depend on God for sustenance. I want to exercise. My soul, my mind, my body, I want to discipline my stomach. I should say, though, that the regularity of fasting allows me to fail every now and then, which I do. Sometimes I've just, I just can't do it. Sometimes I just don't have the strength. I'll march out of the office around lunchtime, tell the staff, I'm out. I'm going to get a smoothie. Or I'll make my way to the snack corner, the hospitality room. Kids, you know where the snacks are in the hospitality room. On Thursdays afternoon, sometimes I'm back there, like the kids at Third Hour Famine. <laughs> But God forgives. There's always next Thursday. Uh, We don't get to heaven in one step, one stumble. It doesn't trip you up. So that's how you can fast. Realize your food. Reveal to a friend. Regulate and refrain. Replace the space. Repeat. If you want to grow in Jesus, you'll do this. If you want to grow in Jesus, you'll do this. If you don't, you won't. Now, before we wrap up with some closing worship, we should actually talk about what Jesus says about fasting in the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, This is the Sermon on the Mount series, and maybe notice we haven't actually talked about what Jesus says here. So let's do that. Uh, Jesus' concern in this part of the Sermon on the Mount is for people who practice acts of piety in the wrong way for the wrong reasons. Do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Uh, by disfiguring their faces, Jesus isn't saying they like had plastic surgery performed on their faces to make them look hungry. No, when they fasted, they would contort their faces with sorrow and, and hunger. They would just do things to their body, their, their demeanor, to make, clear every new, make sure everybody knew that they were hungry, fasting, sad, religious. As we've talked about, this is a temptation in life. 
just living publicly for the wrong reasons, uh, a temptation in religion, doing things for show, broadcasting how religious or devoted or, or righteous or afflicted we, we are. We might not know any Pharisees who disfigure their faces, but we know people who talk about how often they go to church. We, we, we might know people who, who brag about how generous they are. We, we might know people who tell everybody on stage that they fast on Thursdays. <laughs> we all know people who practice faith for the attention of others. We all know people who live for the attention of others. And when it comes to praying and giving and fasting and maybe even living, if you're doing it for the attention, Jesus says that is all you will get. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. And he says, that's just not how it should be with us. He goes on, when you fast, put oil on your head, wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So instead of trying to look hungry and sad and righteous, Jesus says we are to, to put oil on our head and wash our face. I actually like this verse a lot. I, I like it for a couple of reasons. I like it because, for starters, it's the language of normalcy. Wash your face. It's a normal day. Wash your face. Put on your clothes. Wash your hair. Brush your teeth. This is a deep conviction of mine. Religious people should look normal. Religious people should look normal. Nobody needs to know how religious you are, at least, you know, when you're showing it off for the wrong reasons. Look normal. It's the language of normalcy. But it's not just the language of normalcy. It's also the language of celebration. And that's what anoint your head with oil refers to. Back in those days, pouring oil on the head was a symbol of anointing, of celebrating. That's what he says. Anoint your head with oil. Kings had their heads anointed with oil. Basically, Jesus is saying, look normal, but look blessed. Look happy. Now, question, what would we possibly have to feel happy about on a day that we're hungry? Ask the staff. I'm not happy on fasting days. I'm hangry. <laughs> what would we possibly have to feel good about with no food in our stomachs? Well, expert fasters will actually tell you that you actually feel pretty good after fasting for a while. Your, your, your body realizes it doesn't need food. You've finally taken control of yourself. Uh, once your body gets used to that, your, your brain releases endorphins, and you get to enjoy what it's like being a human being who's finally in control of himself. But that's not the celebration that Jesus is talking about. What do we have to celebrate when we fast? When we fast, we take hold of the reality that all we really need in life is God himself. Remember what Jesus says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. That's all we really need, to do the work of God in the world. And we are surrounded by those opportunities. Right now we are living in a smorgasbord of opportunities to do the work of God, which is ultimately what sustains us. We are living right, we are sitting right now in a smorgasbord of opportunities to be sustained by what God is doing in the world. We should celebrate that. But also when we fast, we are reminded that anything we eat here on earth pales in comparison to the feast we have waiting for us in the new heavens and the new earth. That's what Jesus promises us in heaven, a feast of healthy and tasty food. And this is what I like to remember on, on Thursdays when I may or may not fast. 
I spent all Thursday uh, not eating, feeling hungry, trying to pray. I spent all Thursday waiting for dinner, watching the clock. You know what it's like, watching the clock. When can I eat? When can I eat? Please, when can I eat? <laughs> spent all Thursday looking forward to getting home, sitting down with my family for supper. Spent all Thursday waiting, and I go home, and that's what I do. Sit down with my family, have a meal. That's how it will be. Right now we're hungry, we're thirsty, we're waiting, we're counting the hours, uh, which is hard because we don't know how long this famine is going to last. This is like the, the X-hour famine. We're counting down the hours until we can eat, but eventually we will. Jesus will return. We'll die and wake up. It will be dinner on Thursday. We will get home. We will sit down. We will be surrounded by God's people. Jesus will be at the head of the table. We will see a feast before us, and he will say, dinner is served. Dig in. That's what we have to be happy about. Even here on earth, in our hunger, we have the promise of heaven's banquet sustaining us to the end. That's my invitation to you this morning. I know you're hungry here on earth. You're hungry for food. But what you need isn't really food. You need God. You need grace. You need mercy. You need power. And you can have it. You can have it right now. We can get you an invitation to the banquet right now. We have connections here. We can get you in so you can enjoy the Thursday night meal. How do you get on the guest list? It's easy. You confess your sins and your belief in Jesus Christ. You get baptized for forgiveness. You allow the Holy Spirit to enter your life, to give you strength. You join up with his people, the body of Christ. That's how you get in.